like this before. The speed at which this virus kills. Um, Chaos. I think this thing is really happening. You can see it out there. I can't stay here. It's not safe. I stood. Looking over the damage. Trying to remember the sweetness of life on Earth. But there is no before. Only now. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Let's Out Podcast. This is your host, Elias Josh. This podcast is sponsored by Media.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing... I'm going to go ahead and say it. One of my favorite shows of 2022, or at least it ended in 2022, Station Eleven, the miniseries, created by Patrick Somerville, based on the 2014 novel of the same name by Emily St. St. John Mandel. The premise... I, I think I can give the premise without uh, spoiling too much. Um, 20 years after a flu pandemic resulted in a collapse of civilization, a group of survivors who make their living as traveling performers encounter a violent, uh, some violence um, led by a man whose past is unknowingly linked to a couple of them so i kind of wanted to kind of keep it vague i didn't want to give too much away but i did want to give you a little sprinkle of what's going on with station 11 station 11 as you can tell has a lot of roots uh kind of based off of the last couple years uh that the world has been through um you know being that it's 2022 and assuming you've been a fully functioning person the last five years and understand what's going on, haven't been under a rock or whatever, just waking up out of a coma, that we ourselves are just now getting out of, quote unquote, getting out of uh, a pandemic of, of sorts. I mean, it's not technically considered the flu. For some people, it is considered the flu, but other people, it's a very deadly virus. And so, with uh or sorry i guess it's a disease um covid yeah covid19 that that being um but with saying that i found station 11 to be one of the most formative uh comforting shows and more relatable shows for better or for worse uh in the past uh, two years, I think it is one of the best pieces of media that kind of reflects of what the world um, has had to go through to an extent. Now, obviously, Station Eleven goes to the nth degree of showing the deterioration of all civilization, but the first episode really encapsulates what it felt like to be on boots on the ground, um, kind of living through the actual pandemic. Um, you know, within the first month, I think it was a, it was in March of 2020 when the world kind of started to shut down and major um, events and festivals and, and industries. I remember the NBA was one of them uh, in the middle of March, just decided to shut down. And um, 
ironically speaking of shut, shutting down, the first episode of this miniseries that was based off of a fictional pandemic had to close down the uh, the production for the real pandemic to happen. So it, I believe it had happened towards the end of the first episode when they were shooting it, that the actual pandemic stopped the show from being produced for a time being. And then they returned several months later to continue the show after the pandemic had already kind of set in the COVID-19 pandemic had already set in, which is crazy ironic um, consider, you know, considering, you know, real life and how it was mirroring, mirroring real life before that had actually happened. You know, anything from, you know, people running to the grocery store and grabbing all of the toilet paper and food they could get to, um, you know, experiencing in real time, where people would be when they were told on that told that they had to wear a mask in certain locations when you're in certain bunches of groups some people were immediately you know overreacting some were underreacting some didn't believe some people didn't believe it this show feels very much of that realm and it just encapsulates so much of what i feel like a majority of people were feeling and for a long time, I was kind of stalling um, actually recording this podcast because I didn't know how I wanted to uh, you know, present it. I didn't know if people were going to be interested in it. But from what I can tell, um, the majority of the critical consensus of it is that people absolutely uh, fell in love with Station Eleven just as I did. I wasn't even sure if uh, I was, quote unquote, in love with the series until about episode nine. I think that it it definitely is on this tightrope of, um, you know, the very bleak drama, dystopian fiction, post-apocalyptic um, with just a splash of lighthearted, uh, lightheartedness and a little bit of relatability and comedy here and there but it's not a comedy at all you know there's just a couple funny scenes here and there but with saying that i enjoyed these characters so much that i've actually watched the series twice and uh, I, i told my mom that she has to watch it as well just to kind of understand it and not really you know don't watch too much of the uh, the marketing for it or anything because I feel like it kind of spoils what's what's going to happen. I love just having this show kind of wash over you and um, the dry the emotions that you experience feel so visceral and re- uh, real. Um, the uh, the people behind it uh, include. Uh, the creator, Patrick Somerville, he's uh, also a novel writer, but he's also a, a writer on, um, he's got published uh, novels, The Cradle in 09. Um, the second novel was The Bright River in 2012. He joined uh, the writing staff of The Bridge in 2013, wrote two episodes of the series from uh, from 2015 to 2017 he was a writer on hbo series the leftovers that's one of my top 10 shows of all time at this point um another show that's very uh visceral to feel and every episode felt very highly emotional in all of the best ways like sometimes you just need a nice cry and i felt like his his uh his touch in the leftovers just felt just so 
real. It feels just so grounded and real. In October 2016, he was announced that Somerville would write the Netflix series Maniac, and that had Emma Stone and Jonah Hill starring in the lead roles um, and had some other recurring uh, favorites and, you know, like Justin Thoreau showing up as well um, from The Leftovers. But Maniac was once again uh, very different in form um, with all these different genre bending uh, types of episodes and whatnot. I really enjoyed it. It didn't quite hit that emotional eclipse that his other uh, shows have really hit with me, but I really enjoyed the uh, aesthetic and journey that we went on with um, Maniac. I also covered that as well on the podcast. Um, in 2017, December 2017, he signed a deal to develop a new TV and digital projects exclusively for Paramount Television, um, now Paramount Television Studios. In 2019, it was uh, developed that he would be the writer and showrunner for a 10-episode uh, HBO Max miniseries, Station Eleven. He was the showrunner for the first season of the series Made for Love as well. I think that's on HBO Max as well. Um, pretty sure that just recently, unfortunately, got canceled around season three. I know the uh, Discovery is slashing a whole bunch of budgets and slashing a whole bunch of shows. But anything Somerville touches, I'm, I'm absolutely willing to go check out and, um, and kind of just let it wash over me. I just I, I enjoy his his writing and his sense of storytelling i feel like it's very grounded in the way that it's um it's shown um or you know expressed it's a very it's a lot of show don't tell and i feel like uh, there's so much expression on the characters faces that they choose the the actors mackenzie davis amish patel matilda uh, matilda lawler one of the uh matilda lawler being one of the young actresses starring in this i was floored by this child actor every time i see a a really good child actor. I like to give them, um, you know, praise. I, I you know, I, it's not very often you see a child actor that can pull emotions out such as, and, and express emotions in the way they can, just because they don't have the life experience to really draw upon. So when they do, I'm just like, holy shit, this is an amazing little actress or actor or whatever. Um, another actress I can think of I, off the top of my head would be, um, would another actor I'm thinking of is the new actress on Obi Wan, which has really blown me away too. Let me see. Let me see if I can get her real quick. Vivian Lyra Blair, I think she is a fantastic young little actress as well. I'm always floored when they get someone amazing. Um, so yes, Matilda Lawler was the young actress in Station Eleven, and uh, I was floored by her. I, I, every time she was on screen, I just uh, I felt for her. You know, there's so many scenes of this season that require such uh, difficult, deep, dramatic ties to kind of pull from that I was just surprised that they could do they could get this kind of performance out of. Uh, out of her and all of her supporting cast do an amazing job. Hemish Patel, I've never seen him in anything. One, he is a, a handsome ass dude. Apparently, he's in Don't Look Up. I don't remember him in that. He was in Tenet as well. Don't remember that. Don't remember seeing him in that. Must not have a lot of time. But 
he was phenomenal in Station Eleven. It's one of my favorite new actors that I'm I'm kind of discovering for myself. Um, I think he's actually from uh, uh, England himself, so um, he's probably in a lot more English roles than uh, American roles. But I'm like, dude, this guy is fucking. Uh, he is on fire. I've seen Mackenzie Davis uh, perform, or you know, what I see her in. Uh, Terminator, Black Mirror, uh, Blade Runner, obviously. Apparently, she's in Tully as well. Um, she's got a hell of a list under her uh, under a filmography under her belt too. Um, she was she plays so many different aspects of this character that I'm just like I was I was floored. Um, like I said, all of the characters in this there there are no small parts. Um, let me see what we can talk about before going into spoilers of this. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to cover everything of Station Eleven and and be fully satisfied with it. So I'm going to try to go as um, swiftly as I can before we talk about spoilers. But yes, like I said, it's this story feels like the most relatable story to the times that we're living in right now. I know that hopefully and assuming that you know things smooth and pan out eventually in the next few years that you know COVID. Uh, COVID hasn't gone anywhere, but our masks have been told that we don't have to wear them everywhere. There's there's parts of the pandemic that while I was watching this show, um, we still had very high restrictions, a lot of testing going on, a lot of got to get your booster shots every couple months. It was just it's a very surreal thing to have to go through, especially for me. I still feel like I'm at a relatively young age in my mid 20s. But, um, you know, no, no matter what age you're at, uh, I don't think anyone has experienced anything to this degree. And so watching this series just felt so lived in. It felt so real. I've gone back and watched things like uh, uh, movies like Contagion or Outbreak or something, and I still don't think that they really hit on the emotional side of what a pandemic really does to an individual or a group of individuals. So uh, essentially we are following uh, the traveling symphony. It's like a group of traveling performers, like I said earlier. Um, and they kind of stay around this certain like uh, belt uh, lake in a specific area and they perform for different troops and, and, and people and stuff like that. Um, and they are, putting on entertainment you know it talks there's so much meta meta talk about what um art does for you know the human soul and what art does after something catastrophic happens like a pandemic like there's so much of putting up a mirror to society or to reality of what happens after something like this really goes down So yes, there is, it's a fucking journey. I got to say that the journey of Station Eleven really comes down to um, kind of being introduced to the Mackenzie Davis character. And I'm, I'm not going into spoilers yet. Introduced to the uh, Kristen Raymond character or Kirsten Raymond, Kirsten Raymond character. And, uh, we meet her at such a young age, uh, played Matil by Matilda Lawler, that we become ultra endeared to her. 
And over the course of the series, you feel like you have lived multiple lifetimes with these characters and how far they have to travel and go and do and, and express themselves um, just to survive, you know? And I think one of the coolest things about this is it kind of feels like small bits and pieces of, you know, your favorite apocalyptic type uh, television shows that you would see, you would get to see the before the downfall, you get to see the after the downfall, you know, it'll straight up, the editing in this will show a, a, a train stop, you know, couple of years before the pandemic, busy as hell, then all of a sudden, just like that, it goes down. Um, and they'll do just a quick flash forward. And they'll be like, this is what's going to happen to this spot in 20 years. And it feels like that's kind of what happens with the characters as well, and kind of understanding um, some of our main characters, and the the kind of non-linear storytelling that we're getting throughout this but yet we're still connecting with them so much and the ways that they kind of feed uh the different timelines and and the and the different characters and in different aspects and parts of the show just are absolutely um they're in it's an endearing ass show i just feel like you just feel for these characters. And I just want to give everybody a hug after this one. This one uh, is one of those shows that it's it's perfectly paced. It's, it's slow for the right reasons, as in we don't need to go fast. But when it goes fast, it, it just fucking pops off. And um, the pacing is amazing. The acting is amazing. All of the, the, the technical aspects of the show are some of my favorite that I've seen probably since the leftovers and some of the surrealness as well. There's some parts about it that kind of are like, you know, is that real? Is that happening? Is it not, you know, kind of a little bit of fantasy, that type of thing. But I was just like, I was, um, I was floored by it just because I, I wasn't ready. I think I, I remember just turning it on and it was one of those shows that, you know, I, I like Mackenzie Davis. I, I like, uh, I knew about, um, Patrick Somerville so I kind of had like a little bit of a small smidge of an idea but it just grew into such such a, an elaborate story that I was um I was in love with it I, I just really love this uh story I love the actors the, the characters in it just feel so lived in and real um and it actually does sound like um, based off of some of the interviews I've heard from Patrick Somerville that, you know, the, the actors really put their heart into this because I do believe that the majority of the, the, the series was, it was shot uh, out of order, but it was also shot during the pandemic, which it, at the beginning of the pandemic, which people were still kind of figuring out how are we supposed to navigate doing art at this point? And, I guess it was almost like cathartic in a, in a way that people were just uh, relating to it on to, on that degree. Like you can, I think you can tell in television when people are really enjoying what they're doing, you, it elevates the content and the media and the TV or shows or whatever the movies that you're watching. Cause it's just like another level of the performance that can't really be duplicated in, in anyone else. It's just like they, you can tell that they are that character. Um, 
so yeah, I, I was floored about this show. Um, we've got some Atlanta directors thinking, think like a uh, hero Mirai, uh, Jeremy post Posada. Um, I, I don't know what he's, what is he from? He's done some HBO stuff as well. Um, he was under he did some six feet under nip tuck yeah uh, rome dexter all that good stuff weeds boardwalk empire he's done a ton of stuff um yeah so they have some long time um long time directors i think helen shaver did one of my favorite episodes as well um long time film uh has a, has a big filmography in it as well but anyways without um going too much more in depth about it i gotta say it was episode nine was the one that i decided i was like i gotta tell everybody about the show i gotta tell everybody they gotta watch it um it is an emotional roller coaster of a ride it might be a tad slow here and there but once everything falls into place um by the end of the series i just felt like i had witnessed something that doesn't come around um in the you know the film universe the tv universe but maybe like once every 10 years i mean i like this up there this this might be some of my top 10 um one of my top 10 shows as well i, I like a, i like mr robot that much i like the leftovers that much i you know station 11's up there with some of my favorite media um i praise it kind of in the same way i would talk about um breaking bad breaking bad might be a little bit more stylistic but this is so much more real and you just uh, experience this uh, journey a whole lot different than a lot of television shows. And it, the, the grand scale and scope of it uh, makes it feel like nothing else uh, to this degree, especially in the uh, 10 episodes it has. I think, what is it, 45 minutes to 60 minutes each episode. And this is one of the shows I just don't think they have any flab on i'm just like super surprised so let me um let me see hold on okay so we're going to start talking about spoilers of this television series just to, for people that have already watched it i really want everyone to watch this television show before i spoil it for you so if you haven't seen station 11 please just pause the podcast come back to it after you've watched the 10 episodes and then indulge with us on some of our favorite uh parts for the season um just we'll talk about things that we really loved about the show maybe have one or two critiques on it i the small critiques i have are so minuscule that it really didn't affect my my viewing it's just something i kind of noticed um but uh yeah let's kind of uh transition i do want to talk uh, a little bit about the differences from the novel so we'll start off with that uh spoilers for station 11 season one and the only season at this point starting now the differences from the novel somerville made several major uh, changes from the original novel's plot such as creating a more significant relationship between jeevan and kirsten in addition 
the Canadian setting of the majority of the novel is replaced with an American setting, though much of the year zero setting is in the original novel is set in St. John, St. John Mandel's natives, uh, the, the writers, uh, native Toronto. Somerville moved the action to his own native Chicago, ironically due to the COVID pandemic. Um, shooting was moved from Chicago to Missaqua, I think, Mississauqua, I think I'm saying that right, or whatever. Um, sorry, uh, suburb of Toronto. So it's funny because they changed the setting, but then they had to switch the setting. Um, and then they actually switched back where they were actually shooting as well. So, so let's kind of just uh, talk about broadly what happened during this season. Uh, young Kirsten is young as a young actress and they're performing King Lear and then eventually a doctor, a quote unquote doctor. He's not really a doctor. He's more just knows, knows I guess, medical stuff. Um, he's, he wanted to be a doctor, but wasn't. And he sees one of the main actors uh, played by Gail Garcia Barnall, amazing actor as well from, you know, Coco among other things. Um, he sees Arthur Leander die right on screen. Um, he's formally married to Miranda and Elizabeth, uh, father to Tyler. And so every single person has a specific um, tie-in to how they are part of the story. It's almost like you're getting different vantage points from the different parts of the pandemic from who created Station Eleven? I think that was Miranda. She, you know, created the actual book, and it was passed down from Gail to, uh, or from Arthur to Young Mackenzie to Tyler, and I believe that it, it just continues on. And there are small specks of the story of Station Eleven that are reflected into the actual television show, into the actual. Um, story and that's kind of how the tyler and uh uh kirsten characters kind of uh, get intertwined and through these 10 episodes we understand how the traveling symphony works how people are uh living these days especially these people we get some flashbacks with one of my, one of my favorite characters uh played by hamish patel and um naban rizwan uh, playing Jeevan, Jeevan Chowdhury and Frank Chowdhury. Um, and there's so much backstory and, and lived inness of these characters that Jeevan has so many things going on from an emotional standpoint that I, I was immediately endeared to him as a character and how he didn't really want to take care of this young girl, young Kirsten, but he's tasked with basically making sure she's okay and getting back to her parents basically the same night that the flu um, pandemic was starting to hit everywhere. And, you know, this series starts off with them, uh, you know, a crowded theater of King Lear being performed and, you know, you hear people coughing in the audience and this level of detail of 
how it felt like before the pandemic when people were freaking out in the hospitals you know getting in wrecks and craziness and stuff like that the the um the flu that they have in this uh television series is a much much worse than or i don't know if i want to say much much worse but i think that from uh the severity of it it is much higher it, it seemed like if you were exposed to the flu, this this flu in Station Eleven, that would probably within like 24 hours you were, you were going to be taken out. I mean, we see anything from uh, you know the uh, the destruction of uh, planes coming down to uh, I don't know the 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 fright the frightening. Um, the fighting that happened between right outside of hospitals trying to um, figure out how the collapse of civilization is going to affect everybody. And so kind of seeing that in real time or, you know, kind of sort of experiencing it in real time in March, 2020. Um, and then seeing it on this television show was just so surreal. And it, it's, this is beautifully shot the way it's done. Even though the, uh, the show is a very heavy material. The, the cinematography never lets you down and you're outside a lot when you're, they're shooting. I'm sure it's for COVID reasons as well um, that shooting outside was probably better, um, a little bit more safer for the, the cast and the crew. But um, it definitely, uh, I don't know, it felt lively in the ways that it really needed to be. And there's a, a handful of... Uh, cinematographers and editors and i would give them all a shout out but we'd be here all day i just gotta say everyone from the, the technical standpoint does an amazing job and so like i said you know we are there boots on the ground from day one experiencing all the minute details of station 11 and also us internally remembering how how stressful it was at the beginning and now all these small proclivities that people are having to live with post-pandemic, quote-unquote post-pandemic, um, kind of returning back to normal of, uh, uh, you know, how do we act now that the, where the pandemic was relatively not behind us, but the numbers aren't what they were, the, the hospitals aren't getting overflown at this point. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that that's happening. But, you know, COVID in the real world, our real world, real world you know the virus is still circulating but it's not coming out it, so far the death toll uh i believe um has dramatically dropped to about the levels of like regular flu levels but i need to kind of go back and check but anyways um this flu that's in the show was much deadlier on a on a time scale i think they say they take out like it, it took out like a much larger percentage of the world and it's a lot more depressing of a pandemic that's happening in this uh uh television show so i just kind of wanted to bring that to the forefront um just in in comparison of what really happened in real life um so probably the easiest way to kind of go through this is um to go through the different characters of what happens um you know, so we see we see young kirsten she's eventually uh she's taken in by jeevan's character they stay with frank they have an amazing rapport together they just have uh uh 
they have like a sweet little family that they end up kind of forming. Uh, and it's so, I don't want to say ironic, but it's so unconventional that it's just nothing but you know, it's sweet to watch. And so we have uh, Jeevan, we have Frank. Jeevan was an audience member the night of the pandemic who takes care of Kirsten throughout it. Um, and he claims to be a doctor to try to save Gail Garcia Barnall's King Lear's character um, at the beginning of the series. But later, I just want to go ahead and kind of talk about what happens to Jeevan. Eventually, he's uh, he has to go out on his own or he takes Kirsten to Frank's place. Frank is Jeevan's brother, who's kind of a recluse, and he's got he's got an injury that has left him, you know, disabled. And um, the the rapport between those three characters is amazing. Um, there's an episode seven, I think, that there's like a, a, a what is it? Uh, Tribe called Quest, called Quest, I think, is evoked, and there's some musical cues that come in. And I was just like their ability to balance this dramatic. A story that makes you want to feel like you want to start crying every couple minutes um, <laughs> to them having like a little, a little bit of lightheartedness and hip hop kind of come in to kind of give a little bit of life to it. It's just phenomenal. I was like, how did you, I, I've watched it twice and I still don't know how they were able to kind of interwove it, but um, I was very surprised that they were able to do that. And um, yeah, I was, I was floored by their their three uh, Matilda Lawler, Hamish Patel, and um, Naban Rizwan. All three of their characters kind of shared the majority of the screen time together, and I was just like, these some of my, my favorite characters on screen in a very long time. Likable characters. This I, I just got off the uh, podcast talking about Barry Barry season three. And I love the television show, think it's technically amazing, but I don't like any of those characters except maybe like one or two. I think the majority of them are very hard to watch and, you know, relate to on many levels. And I do find myself more recently kind of gearing my, uh, my like, likeness of television shows and movies towards television um, that, or, or towards characters in both of those mediums um that are more likable i guess it's just my type of television these days i'm sure that my taste will change here and there um but i just thought that the characters were you know the kind of people that i would enjoy being around i guess and that i think that um you know i just have had a better time watching him and so uh continuing on we have Clark Thompson played by David Wilmont, another amazing uh, actor that he's actually, it's funny because all of these uh, actors in the television show, the station 11 are playing actors on station 11. So they're actors playing actors. And so it does feel like a little bit of meta commentary about how people perceive art and how you should, you know, kind of carry yourself as an artist, that kind of thing. And then they talk about how, you know, the pandemic, uh, in the television show, you know, affects art and how, you know, do you take on the personas of, uh, of some of the art, you know, Clark Thompson, Clark's character really was, uh, he was Arthur Leander's former best friend who now leads an isolated compound at the Sovereign City Airport. And he basically was 
um he's an alcoholic he plays a gay man there's and there's a lot of backstory with him uh about how he's really jealous of arthur leander's success and arthur leander wasn't a perfect guy by any means but it seemed like so many more people liked him as opposed to the clark thompson character and david wilmot plays it so spitefully in the best ways like he and there's flashbacks with him and Arthur. And I just, I wish there was honestly more Arthur in the show, but the scenes that we do get him in are just phenomenal when it comes to having him, uh, Arthur and Miranda, Arthur and Clark. There's uh, so many different scenes that kind of uh, Arthur and Kirsten, young Kirsten, um, just kind of endear you to these characters that show that they are fully fleshed out characters that have real lives and we're not seeing just the bullshit minute details or we're not we are seeing the minute details that make them who they are but we're not seeing bullshit minute uh you know story of them just doing their everyday thing it feels like everything that they're doing and shown and say feel with purpose it's, it's just so well scripted in my opinion it doesn't feel like it was up to thought at all we were like i don't know maybe just making him an alcoholic asshole it's like he's not an alcoholic asshole he's so much more than that he it happens to be an alcoholic but he has so much more depth behind him and not to say that uh, you know talking about likable characters he's not like the most likable character at all but you understand him so much more to the point where it's like he's sympathetic to a degree um so daniel Zavato, or this is where we're getting into really heavier spoilers, as Tyler Leander, the son of Arthur and Elizabeth. He leads a group of rogue children and Julian Obadors as young Tyler. I just want to give him another shout out. Young Tyler as well, played by uh, Mr. Obadors, uh, another great young actor, really has to bring a, a solemn role to what he's experiencing in this uh television show young tyler is uh before the pandemic even sets in he's kind of already solemn and upset a little bit just because of how his parents you know really don't get along and he he was there the whole time to kind of see the thing kind of fall apart and um you know hear the terrible things that clark has to say at some points um but there is so much of a tidal wave being built behind the Tyler character that once we have the reveal of who Tyler is, it's just like, holy shit, this was there the whole time. Like, you know, he, he didn't kill himself. He did, you know, he's been leading the pack. We saw him in episode two. There's so much of like what happens in episode two and three that feel like you don't really understand what's going on until maybe eight or nine of the episode eight or nine of the series. And that's why I think it took till episode nine, like a really, there's a, fla a formative flashback of a, what feels like another subplot of Jeevan becoming a doctor that is just absolutely um it's um it's so moving it is absolutely one of the most moving things i've i've seen on television in a long time that you know this guy jeevan uh you know kind of down in the dirt didn't you know his family we see his backstory that he was not like the most successful in the family he's like a writer he's not he's uh or he's a uh, a reviewer of some sorts and he's not the the famous writer the successful writer that his uh, brother was or the the nurse that his sister was 
Um, but this is where he really shines. And, and I think what they say, one of the characters says, you know, it's to be a doctor or something. I'm going to get this quote wrong, but basically one of the characters says to him, one of the other female doctors say something like um, that he runs into in episode nine is it's not the, uh, it's not the schooling or education that make you become a doctor. It's kind of the ability to understand and, um, you know, bear wit. I think they say bear witness to death and pain and, uh, you know, help people out of that. And that's exactly what Jeevan's doing by episode nine, despite his um, reluctance to kind of really go forward with what he's doing. And he becomes so much of a real person by episode 10, when him and Kirsten finally re reunite and they're giving each other hugs i wanted to just grab my television and hug them too <laughs> i was just like even even talking about it it kind of gets me a little bit emotional um about how how good these characters were together and what's interesting is the um the mckenzie davis actress and um and hamish patel don't share tons of screen time together. It's actually the uh, the Matilda Lawler and Hamish Patel are on screen more together. So it's almost like um, it's the combination of Mackenzie Davis embodying this character of Chris Kirsten, um, the same way Matilda was embodying Kirsten, and just them being able to basically become that person, that that character, Kirsten. And Jeevan obviously stays the same age the whole time because he, you know, he was an adult when when that happened. But there's a 20 year time jump in between when Kirsten loses Jeevan, um, and um, you know, for crazy reasons, you know, they they're out, they have to leave. Uh, Frank's uh, apartment. Frank is attacked by this guy that busts up in there and says that this is my apartment now, bitch. And he's like, they're trying to do like this play that's happening in the Frank's uh, apartment. They're like reenacting like a station 11 scene uh, and station 11 is like a comic book kind of thing um, that, uh, you know, Kirsten wants to reenact because they're stuck and bored for, I don't know, like, uh, I think that it was either 90 days or 180 days or something like that, but they had to leave the apartment to get, I guess, food and everything else. Um, but they decided to leave one day later so that they could, uh, you know, make costumes and actually perform as, you know, astronauts and whatnot as, um, doing this play, but then in, while they're doing this play, this guy fucking shows up and, uh, you know, beats the shit out of Jeevan, but fucking kills him. I thought Jeevan was going to get raped in that scene. I was like, Jesus Christ, please no. Um, and, you know, and we have young Matilda uh, Lawler's young Kirsten having to hide in another room because, I mean, what is the little girl going to do to this fucking seven, what looked like a damn six foot five, 300 pound man or something like that attacking Jeevan and Frank and Frank, Frank is obviously injured and stuff like that. But, um, you know, Frank is, uh, you know, I think Frank is stabbed and then, uh, what is it? Jeevan is attacking this guy and there's this big brawl fight and the, 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 the camera work is amazing. It's so smooth. And, um, they're, it's not cutting all over the place. It just feels like it is. And it's like, it's extremely hard to watch. And eventually they do get out of it. And that's what 
you know, Frank, uh, Frank does not make it. He says he's not leaving his apartment. He's not leaving his home. Um, but that guy ends up getting, you know, Jeevan kills that guy that killed his brother and uh, takes Kirsten and they, they run, they run off towards, I think a lake. And uh, once they get to the lake, they stay at a cabin and from the cabin, um, you know, they're both kind of having uh, cabin fever to an extent, you know, they're hunting and whatnot, you know, Kirsten's training, throwing knives and they're hunting wolves or whatever else animals that are coming up. And eventually, um, I think uh, Kirsten, yeah, Kirsten and um, Jeevan are kind of out scouting one day. And uh, when they're scout, young, young Kirsten, one when young Kirsten is uh, really indulged in the Station Eleven book, when she's supposed to be watch, you know, keeping watch, Jeevan is attacked by what looks like a heavier set motorcycle rider, shot with a damn, I guess, beanbagger of some sort, and uh, and eventually Jeevan has to take this motorcycle or out and then that's where the whole divide happens of young kirsten is too you know he says she's too obsessed with station 11 uh comic book and it's going to get them in trouble and he kind of takes the station 11 comic out of young kirsten's bag like one of her only things of entertainment uh, pieces of entertainment and he throws it in the middle of the snow and Eventually she finds out a few hours later and she gets really upset with them. And Jeevan's like, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And then he goes back out into the night and of course fucking gets mangled, attacked by a God dang wolf. And it is like, it's one of those things that kind of did the same thing on, on Barry season finale, but um, there's this, uh, the wolf is not really shown on screen. It's like a very, you see the the top of the wolf attacking Jeevan, and then uh, you know the slow pan back, and and uh, you find you find out that Jeevan is just fucked up. Like he's bit, he's got wounds, he's all messed up, um, you know. And he's eventually kills this wolf, but he is fucked up, and he's stuck in the middle of uh, the snow, probably like a couple miles from the cabin. And he starts to make his slow way. He like basically crawls in the snow and it's, they go straight up revenant with it. Like right after the bear attack kind of in that, but they, uh, like he is just struggling and, and it is a fucking like visceral fucking piece of media to watch Jeevan go through this. And as soon as he's about to get to the cabin, um, you know, this motorcycle rider who we don't know who it is at first pulls up, picks him up and we're like, God dang, no. And when she takes him, Kirsten is basically left alone and she's, uh, you know, we flash forward to her in, a, in an earlier episode kind of way after that. And she's like a feral little uh, lost, lost child when she's uh, picked up by um, Laura Petty, uh, Petty's character um sarah who's one of the co-founders of the traveling symphony and that's kind of um where we're introduced to how kirsten gets introduced to the traveling symphony and i was just like this is uh you know this is this is a lot to handle um and of course a lot of people know laura petty as uh, from orange is the new black but she's been in a lot of stuff she was Anything from, I, I don't know what Tank Girl is, but she was in it. League of Their Own, 92, Free Willy, 93, Point Break, 91. A lot of people know that. But um, 
yeah, I, I know her from Orange is the New Black, basically, most recently. And I was I was really floored with the performance that Sarah, the Sarah character uh, is bringing, or Laura Petty's character, Sarah, is bringing. I was, um, uh, I just, the, the, the performances on this are so good. Uh, let me talk a little bit about uh, uh, Daniel Deadweiler. Uh, as Miranda I think she might have like two or three episodes in Station Eleven um one two three four five okay she has five episodes but I don't feel like some of her episodes really have tons of her in it so her limited screen time is uh it's felt it's absolutely felt um there's an episode I think episode three really focuses on um on that character and she's kind of we're shown the pandemic what happens if you're out if we were outside of your country or your hometown it's not just like being outside of the u.s i'm sure that's that's very specific to what it is but imagine if you this pandemic was happening and you were in you know beijing or portugal or europe or anywhere outside of you know where you're normally from and it, it it's it look horrifying because everyone's panicking to get home and so she has to make some very executive decisions about you know making it back um and you know if you're exposed to the virus you're almost immediately going to be done you know you got to be quarantined that kind of, kind of thing and um you know that type of that type of stuff um you know what's interesting about this is that even though the the kicker and the uh the thing that really kicks off the show, the Station Eleven miniseries, it's not so much about the virus at all. It's not like finding a lot of these um, shows think about like maybe The Walking Dead or uh, any other post-apocalyptic movie or show you can think of. Normally, the ending end-all be-all is about finding a cure, finding the sense of normalcy, and finding. I know finding community is not normally the utmost or finding, you know, how we continue to produce and uh, talk about art after the world ends, but that's what this is about. This is not so much about the virus. It's not so much about the pandemic. Yes, the pandemic was the, the antithesis of what happened, but it's not like they're actively uh, talking about it anymore. I guess it's to the point where if you got it, you got it. If you don't, you don't. Um, but it's more or less about, um, you know, what happens next. And I, I was totally here for it. I'm totally here for it. And like I said, uh, you know, kind of going back to the beginning and, and wrapping it up, um, go, sorry, going back to the end of the series, by the end, Jeevan has become uh, a doctor, almost like an OB. I think it's called an OBGYN. Is that who delivers babies? Isn't that what they are? I, I'm not a doctor or anything, so I don't know my doctor category categorizing. But um, basically, he's delivering babies, and he's when he's introduced to this like all woman compound that has just a bunch of pregnant women in there. He's like kind of in shock at first, and he's like, "Am I dead?" <laughs> you know, and they're like, "Nope," <laughs> and. Uh, you know, and as, as a matter of fact, we're going to need your help. And I always just like, wait, there, all these women are like, uh, I was going to say incubate. I don't think that's the right word, but all these women are like, 
uh, timed at the same time to have babies almost all at, you know, at a specific date. I was like, gee, how, I, I had a lot of questions about how all that happened, but um, yeah, basically they have to repopulate the earth and um, Jeevan is almost like this Messiah that has come down from the gods, uh, you know, hypothetically from the gods that is there to help deliver the babies. And he, you know, he's really become, one of the main antithesis of, you know, quote unquote, fighting against the, uh, the, the pandemic, I guess, you know, trying to bring back uh, the life that was lost. You know, he was not that character at the beginning of the series. And by the end, he has family, he has family. He has, you know, uh, I think a couple of girls, maybe a, like a boy or two, and, um, you know, he's, he's fall. He actually marries the woman that hit him with the sandbag that took him away from Kirsten, uh, 20 years ago. And, uh, he ends up having just amazing rapport with that, uh, actress. I don't have her name up right now. Um, let me see. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have it up in front of me, but, um, yeah, I, I was, I was um, very happy to see, you know, Jeevan find love. And there's like just sweet scenes of like Jeevan and this, uh, and this other actress, uh, you know, he just kind of goes in and I think norm normally we'd be used to like, all right, this is the scene where they normally, um, where they normally make out and then all of a sudden they're going to make love and then they're going to be in love, you know, but he goes in there and he just goes in for a, a flat out hug, puts his like head on her shoulder and really just gets, you know, that type of uh, affection that he's kind of been lacking and hasn't had in years um, at that point. And it just hit me in, uh, you know, a, a lower spot, you know, it's finding emotions, you know, and you, you, you know, when you got, are trying to eat an apple or, you know, it feels like you're eating an apple and you, um, you know, you can't swallow cause you know, you're about to cry kind of thing. It felt like that, you know, the, the emotions are so high and it's so grounded and real that I was like, this is, uh, it, it didn't, it, at certain points of watching this, it didn't feel like I was watching a television show anymore. It felt like I was watching almost like a documentary series of something like happening. I was like, this is, uh, you know, it's beautiful. It's absolutely uh, amazingly done. I um, don't know how better to describe it, but um, yeah. So what else do we have this final episode? Let's talk about a little bit more about the final episode and kind of how everything kind of culminates. You know, we have this, uh, child cult group led by Tyler, who is extremely vengeful, and he's got this big overarching plan to overthrow the airport, which Clark is basically holding down his fort, um, you know, and trying to make sure that, you know, the, the people are quarantined in certain areas if they might get exposed, you know, trying to bring some sort of a community and balance to what's going on. I was just like, this is, um, feels very real of what would happen. 
um, if there was a group of people stuck at a, an airport and, you know, we had somebody of Clark's nature showing up, you know, thinking that he's uh, the lead in Shakespeare and then actually becomes, uh, you know, the, the leader or quote unquote king of the airport and people, you know, originally you're listening to him and then later just like this guy is just like off his fucking rocker i love the world building in this i'm not sure if i've talked about that enough just you know how the descent of uh the world would happen and you know how they turn small places in the airport into like learning facilities they really rebuild uh a lot of civilization with regards of how they're, you know, raising children, educating children, they're feeding them, they have, you know, a small farm, I think, outside of the airport, they, they're really trying to build a homestead there. Um, you know, as as bleak as everything is, they really do push that to a degree. And they have like, like the museums of all the tech that's there. Um, and the art that's obviously on display. Um, and, you know, they all they a lot of these groups that they run into as well you'd think you run into a lot of groups you really only run into like one or two groups like the bandits i think were one um but then the you know the cult being another um but a lot of them don't want to uh they don't want to interact or you know come in in too in close encountered with other groups as well um dan romer the uh music is performed by him uh, really has some amazing cues in this as well. I just want to give a quick shout out to that and um, to his work on here. Um, let me see anything else that we have got to discuss. Uh, yeah, there's all the supporting cast. I, I know I'm kind of jumping around. Timothy Simmons is playing Jim Miranda's coworker. Who's very, blase he's like oh there's a pandemic oh well i'll just um i'm gonna go play like 18 holes and then when i get back you know we'll be good you know you know the pandemic will be over and i thought that was a very insightful character to have on um on the show because he kind of represents the characters that didn't really believe or didn't really take into account how serious the um, implication of having a pandemic would be, um, you know, he represents the crowd that probably were like, you know, COVID's probably not going to be a big deal or it'll be over in like one or two weeks or something like that. And I totally understood and somewhat related to him because I wanted to believe that, but I, I was overly cautious, not overly cautious, but I was willingly overly cautious at the beginning of COVID-19, you know, spraying down all my uh, groceries and stuff like that. Cause I, I swear they're saying that it could just pass through, you know, touch. We didn't know, we didn't know anything about this virus really at the beginning. And I feel like he kind of represents that as well. And unfortunately, Jim doesn't make it. He kind of goes down with um, as Miranda does, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's sad how they kind of end their story ends and the hotel, you know, stuck together, but at least they were together. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm glad that they have that detail of a character in there. There is, a, an adopted sister. This is one of my, um, critiques that are in obviously all of Kirsten's family in the show. Um, once she's in the traveling symphony is obviously, you know, adopted kind of. So, her young, her young sister, played by Philippine Vig, I think, 
her name is Alexandria, the character is. And once Alexandria is kind of supposed to be a little bit lured, not to the dark side, but lured towards the cult side that um, Tyler is running at that point as the prophet, um, you know, kind of being a free bird there. I think we needed a little bit more meat on the bone for that character. There's not a whole lot of scenes where um, we, we kind of like engage with uh, Alexandria and Kirsten. I feel like they, they have good rapport, but they don't share enough scenes to really hit the umph on if something bad were to happen to Alexa, would we really, sorry, Alexandria, would we really care? Um, and honestly, there were several episodes. I think there was like an episode where the, she's running through a minefield and I was like, holy shit, she's about to explode. But also on the other side, I was like, I really don't know if I'd care if she'd explode because they haven't really done the legwork to kind of make this a real formative character. And she kind of acts way younger than she would really be. There's like a handful of scenes that I really enjoyed. She talks about like, you know, oh, you know, I, I wasn't alive during iPhones. Chris, Kirsten, tell me about iPhones. Tell me about Uber. Tell me about music. All of that stuff that I missed out because she was either too young to remember or wasn't born at that time. And so um, I, you know, I enjoyed those scenes, but they were just a little bit too far and in between. Um, so, yeah, my only critique would probably be like if we could have maybe like 20 more minutes just with Kirsten and Alexandria in an earlier scene in an earlier episode, I think it would have given us a little bit more um, ethos between the two, I guess, or pathos just between the two to kind of um, understand Alexandria's uh, motivation for wanting to leave the traveling symphony and kind of go be more or do, you know, do something else, not perform all the time. Um, and so, yeah, we have the prophet played by Daniel Zavato. Um, obviously, at the beginning, we don't really understand his motives, and it seems like it's very nefarious. I mean, they kill, um, what's his face? And I think it's episode five. David Cross's character. David Cross's character is... Um, is Gil. He's a founder of the Traveling Symphony and Sarah's former partner. So yeah, we do get a, a earlier scene with Gil. So uh, we see how Kirsten is interacting with young, young Alexandria and, you know, their formative, the beginning of their relationship and then how Gil kind of factors in and how he's willing to kind of step in and help and sort of raise a little bit um, both of them at the same time. So he's kind of like their quote unquote, like grandpa figure, but he ends up getting blown the fuck up by um, his kids. So his, he, his, his kids are kidnapped by the prophet. And it's a little bit unclear about how big the prophet's cult actually is. It's like this cult of kids looking like the children of the corn kind of ish. And, you know, these, the prophet, what he does is he settles in the the camp encampments of where he's staying, of who he wants to kind of take advantage of. And then 
at night, he'll steal the children. And that's kind of what he had told the, uh, the troop he was going to do. He said he was going to, I guess, kill. I think he said he was going to kill Lori and maybe kill uh, Kirsten's sister. And that's when uh, Kirsten stabs him in like episode two or three. You're like, Jesus, she just like took this dude out, like gutted him like a fish almost. And so uh, Tyler is just kind of, he's kind of on the back burner after he's, he's hurt. I mean, he's always a very chill guy, but now he's like, can't do anything super um, aggressive or violent at that point because he's, you know, been stabbed and, and if you're stabbed at the, at the end of uh, the pandemic, you know, you can't go to the hospital, so you can only do so much to make you feel better. So yeah, the, they basically cross paths. They run into Gil's, uh, uh, Gil's land. They go to his house where the, or the, the country club is, and they really have a, uh, kind of some backstory of how the traveling symphony was really working when Gil was in it. And I think Sarah was um, either his um, like actual partner. I know that they're co-founders of the traveling symphony, but I, I don't remember if that was like her, his, his squeeze or something like that. If they were, if they were like companions in that way or something. Um, but yeah, there's a little bit of friction of how, how that continued. I think Gil just decided he didn't want to do it anymore. So he stays at there. Um, continuing on kind of with the children of the corn and Tyler and that all that ish, you know, we kind of find out how Tyler is intertwined with the people at uh, the airport and, um, you know, his mother. Um, uh, what was her name? Like Emily or something like that. Uh I don't have his mother's name up. Arthur's first wife, Daniel Dragons. Okay, uh, Elizabeth, sorry. Arthur's second wife, Elizabeth, and Tyler's mother, who became a famous actress in uh, Germany, uh, German cinema. cinema. Uh, so yeah, she's, she's kind of a little bit bougie. It definitely feels like some people are jealous of her. And it's interesting to see what would happen to someone famous um, when, uh, you know, the world comes to an end. Are you still famous? Do people still give a shit? Are, you know, are, are they giving you shit now? You know, what's the, what's the deal? And um, I think Tyler has a real big grudge against her and the way that, she was kind of keeping him away from uh, Gail Garcia, uh, Arthur's character. And, um, you know, it kind of blames her for a lot of things, but there is this amazing reuniting of the two back at the end of, at the end of the series. And um, there's multiple times where you think Clark and is going to have to take out Tyler or Tyler is going to take out Clark. And, uh, you know, I, you really, people kind of come to a critical consensus that, you know, People don't, you know, not everything has to end in blood. And I think that's where they found uh, the peace in this, um, this series. Let me kind of just give the uh, actual synopsis uh, or the premise for this very final episode. And we'll kind of close out there. At the outset of the virus outbreak, um, Miranda asks Clark to care for Elizabeth and Tyler. 
Before her death, she calls the pilot of the plane arriving from Chicago and convinces him to keep all the passengers on board when arriving at Severn City Airport to protect those inside. There is a very um, interesting subplot with this plane that is outside the, uh, that has landed and parked outside of the airport, but the passengers eerily never leave the airplane. It is kind of like something that I think the average viewer would probably forget after a while because they only show the, they show the plane here and there, but then eventually someone, you know, comes out of there. And it, um, I think that's what was the impending cause for, um, you know, there's a guy that's infected that kind of comes out of the airplane somehow. And then Tyler comes in contact with them and then Tyler brings them into the airport. And then basically he's exiled, he's put in trouble, not put in trouble. He's quarantined with his mother in, uh, in an airplane after he try, after Tyler's trying to help this guy and this guy is shot immediately by the people inside. And, um, so uh, Elizabeth and Tyler have to quarantine for a month, I believe in an, in the airport hangar. Also Clark forms a relationship with, uh, one of the guys that are in the, uh, airport, which I feel like would naturally happen if you were stuck in an airport with a group of people. So, um, yeah, Miranda is the one that basically saves everyone inside by giving that phone call in that to the, uh, the air airplane somehow. I don't remember exactly how she got in touch with the people that were flying the plane, but that's, that's how that went in the present Kirsten and the traveling symphony are freed from their quarantine to perform a play for the community at the airport. Jeevan also arrives at the airport to tend to Clark's burn injuries uh, after the museum and sits with Sarah as she peacefully passes away. Um, it's, it's kind of a lot to handle watching Sarah. I, I don't remember exactly what happened. She has like a heart condition or something like that. She just is, she's having um, breathing problems and she's like falling down. And it's, it's almost as soon as she's kind of like the Moses figure of, you know, when she takes him to the land of freedom, but then can't make it herself. That, that's what she was kind of uh, evoking in my mind. Um, so she, Sarah peacefully passes away. The traveling symphony performs Hamlet. Uh, Kirsten reveals her connection to Arthur, to Elizabeth and Clark, who agreed to let Tyler perform as Hamlet while they will play Gertrude and Claudius. And I'm sure there's things about this Hamlet play that I'm like in the dark about that reflect the actual show as well. They're like, oh, these characters are playing. They're, you know, the same characters they would be playing. They're technically playing in Station Eleven, just different forms of them and updated for a different time. But it's amazing how what felt like the writing on the play was reflecting how they were feeling as well. Um, so, yeah, they they let Tyler and everyone play. They, obviously, they don't know who Tyler is at that point. Um, during the play, Tyler pulls a knife on Clark, who says he loved Arthur too. Um, Tyler forgives Clark and Elizabeth. One of the prophet's children suddenly appears at the airport 
wearing a landmine and Kirsten shows her the station 11 graphic novel to, uh, to show her it was only a story. Jeevan finally reunites with Kirsten. Elizabeth and Tyler peacefully leave the airport with hundreds of children, including Alex, who makes up with Kirsten. Jeevan and Kirsten go their separate ways, but promise to reunite next year at the airport, which Kirsten adds to the wheel. And I just want to say before we kind of wrap this one up, um, you know, all these kids are, you know, they are following, <clears throat> they're following the prophet, aka Tyler, in accordance to what is happening in the comic book of Station Eleven. You know, they believe in this like Messiah-esque uh, Doctor Eleven figure, and um, I love how they have like these surreal moments of like this um, astronaut showing up and kind of overlooking the story and whatnot. I was. Um, I was really floored, you know, there's multiple, there's so many scenes in this series that really just add so much texture and give so much depth to the characters. I, I, you know, I can't say it enough. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love this show. I know there's not, I can't go through this, uh, scene by scene, but I would absolutely recommend watching this. If you just listen to this and haven't watched it, I it would still work. Um, I watched it twice and I was like, I, you know, I would still probably go back and watch it just to kind of experience all this. It was just, um, it was, it was a lot to, um, you know, handle and kind of take in, but in all the best ways. Um, and of course, there's a lot of reflection and art of, you know, what's happening here. Let me see if there's anything fun that I can bring up with the did you knows. The Gichigumi means big water in uh, Obiji, Obui, one of the Native American tribes located in Michigan, is commonly used to refer to Lake Superior. What's it? At the end of the brief conversation in the airport, the man in the Homeland Security windbreaker says to Clark, stay out of my beach community. This is a line from the Coen Brothers film, The Big Lebowski. The line is spoken to the dude played by Jeff Bridges to whom Clark, with his unkempt beard, uh, sunglasses and cardigan sweater, bears a notable resemblance in the scene. I kind of see it now that they say it. Um, also, when the customer is complaining at the boarding gate, the customer is wearing a Hawaiian shirt similar to james cole and 12 monkeys station 11 plot is very similar to the 1995 film 12 monkeys which has a very similar premise i did not know that i actually haven't seen 12 monkeys um i think that's with bruce willis as well um maybe go back and check that one out but yeah there's a lot of um there is a lot of uh you know behind the scenes uh, interviews and stuff with the actors and whatnot. I would recommend go ahead on YouTube. If you're not already on there, check out some of those um, uh, podcasts and stuff like that, that cover the making of, you know, what they were thinking at the time. Uh, you know, we have 
amazing scenes like Frank Chowdhury showing back up after he's dead and uh, around Jeevan and just going for a walk. I was just like floored by the level of detail that they would just have um, that type of scene playing, um, you know, and then obviously everything else in between with uh, all these other amazing characters and, um, you know, just small scenes like that were what really made it for me. You know, the dancing, the, of uh, the tribe called quest, um, the the making of the ridiculous outfits that they're wearing at the apartment, reenacting some Station Eleven stuff when it's young Kirsten, Jeevan, and Frank, and then they are actually attacked by somebody. And you know, uh, I think Kirsten says like, "Oh, Jeevan, you're the one that's gonna die" or something like that. But then actually, it's like Frank. It's like, oh shit! It's like. Um, you know, it actually did happen in the, in the show. Um, and it's kind of crazy how they're being attacked and they're all wearing these like cardboard box, ridiculous outfits and having to bury Frank, um, you know, wearing, you know, the station 11 outfits and stuff like that. I thought that was brilliantly done and also very sad to watch as well. It's just horrifying. Um, Anything else? Like, I, you know, there's so many things I could continue on about, about this show, but um, I'm going to kind of cut it off here. Um, anything else? I think that is about it. But let me know what you thought about Station Eleven. Let me know what you thought about the podcast. If you have any uh, anything else you want to add to it, throw it in the comments section. I appreciate it. Uh, how I can improve, all that other good stuff. Um, but yeah, all right, everyone, take it easy. This strange and awful time was the happiest of my life. It's the only thing that there's just.